Well, session five tonight is called Walking in the Spirit. And if you need a review, we've already looked at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we talked a little bit about, just, just, a, minor, uh, just a minor lesson, a, a small lesson, about the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Very important. We could talk weeks and weeks just about those things alone. But we want to close by talking about what it means to walk by the Holy Spirit. And that is a Bible verse, in case you're wondering. It's in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. That's the hallmark verse of this lesson. If you get nothing else out of tonight or what we're focusing on and what we're here for, when it comes to the word of God, that would be the passage is Galatians 5 and 16. But this is an important thing when we talk about walking by or walking in the Holy Spirit. Part of that is because the Bible uses the metaphor of walk. Everybody say walk. The Bible uses that metaphor hundreds of times. We, we sort of brush past it. Maybe you said to your friend or a family member like, hey, how's your Christian walk? I don't know if that's still popular to say or not. Hey, how's your walk doing? Anybody ever said that? How's your walk? Hey, sister, how's your walk? <laughs> or brother, do we even say brother and sister anymore? I don't know what you do anymore. All right, but we, we used to say that, like, how's your walk? How's your Christian walk? And the reason that we say that, it's not just Christianese. It's because there's hundreds of verses in the Bible that refer to the word walk as a metaphor for a Christian lifestyle. I'll refer to a couple of them here. Psalm 26, 11. But as for me, the psalmist writes, I shall walk in my integrity. This is what he says. Proverbs 8:20. I will walk in the way of righteousness. John 8:12. Jesus again spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. And Romans 6, 4, he's, the writer says this is the apostle Paul. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. And again and again, the Bible continues. I'm just giving you a few. The Bible says this so many times. He's referring to, or the writers of Scripture are referring to, a way of life. Walk in the newness of life. Walk in the light. Walk in integrity. Live our life in a way that is in keeping with what Jesus paid for describing something about what we do and how we do what we do, the virtue of Jesus. Walking was a major part of the ancient life. Obviously, they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. Most didn't have horses. Some did. You had to have some money. And so this was their mode of transportation. That's the reason they would say that. Talk about walk. Walk in your integrity. They all understood. That's, that's where you get from where you are to where you want to be. Walking is a journey. And this was a common metaphor because it was a common practice. It was what they did physically. And they made a reference to something they're doing spiritually. But our goal in the lesson for tonight is to talk about how to walk in the Holy Spirit. We've already said we want to be baptized, immersed in his power. We want to live a life that is filled with him. We want to hear from him. We want his fruit in our life. We don't want the flesh. We don't want ourselves. We don't want something less than God. We want all of what God has for our life. If I asked you tonight, how many of you want all that God has for you? Every hand's got to be up, right? Like, no, I want part of what God has for me. You know, I'll take 25%. No, we want all that God has for us. And this is what Paul said to the Galatian church in Galatians 5.16. He said, but I say, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. If you have a paper Bible, you've got to underline this verse. If you have a mobile device and you are able to highlight it, please remember this verse. Memorize this verse. Commit it to memory. Because look what it says. It's profound. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Well, what are the desires of the flesh? We're talking about those sinful attitudes and actions that we were all so easily accustomed to the way of the flesh, the sins of our life. So if there's something about us, we want it to be that we are a people of the spirit. We live by, we walk by the Holy Spirit. There's a couple things we've got to know if we're going to do that. The first is we've got to, you got to have a clear focus. If you're going to walk by the spirit, we've got to have a clear focus. I'm talking about intentionality. The second thing that we have to have is courageous faith. It's going to take a clear focus and courageous face and probably a whole lot more, which we'll get into. A focus would mean like this. Have you ever got into your car and you had already sort of strategized that you're going to follow another person to some desired destination? Like, hey, just follow me. And so they get in their car and they start driving to some place and you don't know the address and you don't know where it is and you get in your car and you follow them and then you realize that they, they're some NASCAR driver. Have you ever had something like this? Like you realize like they don't know how to drive like at all and you're questioning whether or not they have a license or whatever. And so they lose you pretty quickly and you, you have to have like, like you're really focused. Like there's so many things going on around you. So many people are driving around you. People are walking on the street. There's places that you, oh, that's so nice. Like you would want to, you know, smell the roses and watch the birds and all the other things that are going on outside your car. But you are like, you are on the Autobahn trying to find this person that you're following. You have to have a clear focus because you're following somebody that's taking you to the destination. And if you don't closely focus on them, you'll lose them. And then you end up by default nowhere or the same place that you were. But you're definitely not wherever they were taking you. Everybody say focus. Think about following the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? What is he doing? What is his word implying in our life? How do we follow and focus on the Holy Spirit? It's not whimsical. It's not compulsive. There's a lot that we can know already when we wake up in the morning, but we do want to have this sense of knowing how to follow his conviction, how to follow his leading, how to hear his unction, as we used to say, how to hear his voice. If we walk by the spirit, we won't, des- we won't follow the desires of the flesh. That's incredible. It means we won't have time for it. When you're focused on something, you don't have time for that. Is that right? You're not even looking at what else is going on there. You don't have any bandwidth or capacity for those things. Friend, I want to tell you, if we learn how to follow the Holy Spirit, we won't have time for sin. You just won't have time for it. A lot of times people spend so much time trying to focus on not sinning. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us that we need to spend all of our energy and efforts focused on following Jesus. And the more that we do that, the light of Christ shines and expands in our heart and the things that we once spent our time on and gave our attention to and gave our affections for, those things just begin to grow dim in our lives. If you have a sin problem, I want to tell you, all you need to do is shift that sin problem to a Jesus solution. It works. Trust me, it works. Jesus, follow Jesus. That's what we're talking about. But we also need courageous faith. 
Practically where I want to land the message is I want to sort of take all of what we mean by following the Holy Spirit, which can mean so much, and we could go so many directions, and I want to use it by talking about ministering in the power of the Spirit. We talked about spiritual gifts a little bit and the baptism of the Spirit, but I want to talk about not just following Jesus to maintain a righteous life, like to not sin. I want to talk about following Jesus by being attentive to how he would call us to minister in the world around us. The things that he's leading us into, the people he's wanting us to talk to or pray for or text or call or even just intercede over. Those things, as we're focused on following him, we're partnering with Jesus. God is already involved in bringing healing and hope and salvation to the world. We're not doing anything new. We're just trying to hear God and then get involved in what he's already doing. That's, that's really what it is to be a Christian. It's not something that we have to do. It's what we're joining in with what God is already doing in Christ. That, that's the beauty of it. So by following him, we're saying, you're already going somewhere. You're already speaking to someone. You're already bringing life and hope and salvation and all this. How do I get in with what you are doing? Well, I wanna tell you, it's gonna take courageous faith. There's, there's no way that you're gonna stay, you and I are gonna stay where we are and not somehow lay hold of a courageous faith and just some, somehow see great things happen with not doing very much. It's just not gonna happen. Jesus is gonna lead you to places you've never been before, to do things you've never done before, to say things you've never said before, meaning you gotta lay some things down, you gotta let some things go. You can't stay where you are and just have more of God. Is that possible? Have you found that to be the case? No, that's why the idea of walk in the spirit, you've gotta take another step. And every step we take, we're leaving something else behind. We're no longer where we, one more step in Christ and you're no longer where you were, right? And you do it again, you're no longer where you were. And this is what it means, the Christian walk. We're gonna need some courageous faith. And that actually could be spelled R-I-S-K. How many of you like risks? Not the game risk. No, no, we like to play it safe. We like to mind our own business. We like to take few risks. Come on, most of us are the same when it comes down to it. We wanna take few risks, not many risks. We, we wanna mind our own business. We wanna go about our day. We wanna get from point A to point B. But Jesus is inviting us in, into more. And I mean you, I don't mean the more of what my life looks, looks like. I mean the more of what your life is supposed to look like. And you have to think about it through the filter of your own life. Paul was trying to explain that God's already given us a type of faith that we need to use. Look what he says here in Romans 12, three. He says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has given to each a measure of faith. Everybody say measure. Okay, God has given to each one of us a measure of faith and it might be different. Let's just use a metric. You might have level nine. Somebody else might have level four. It doesn't matter or make another person more spiritual. You're just responsible for what you've been given. And God knows why he gave that to you. It wasn't that you and I earned it, but he gives people a different measure of faith. I can tell you when I came to Christ, it was obvious because I started going to church and I was like, like blazing on fire. And I'm like, hey, let's go share the gospel with people. And everybody was like, don't talk to me. Like in church, you know? And so I was like, what? <laughs> 
am I at a church? Where am I at? You know? And, and I realized that like I was intimidating to some people because God had taken me from one place to another. And I was excited about getting that message out and other people were in their journey. And so, and I think God wanted me to use them to kind of, you know, stoke the fire. I think he want, you know, and maybe that's been 20 years of that in my life, but I'm just saying that each person has a different measure of faith, but you can't boast in that because God gave it to you. But you can misuse or not use what God gave you. That's the truth. It doesn't matter what level you got, but are you using what he's given? That's the question. And so Paul says this, for just as we have many members in one body, just like our physical body has different members and they all play a different part. They all have a certain power. They all have a certain function, but they matter. Every one of them matter to make up a whole body. He's giving this as an example. And he says, not all have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now listen to this. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that was given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And then he gives an example. If it's prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. So Paul makes a statement. He says, I'm exhorting you to exercise whatever you have. I want you to take what you have. You've, you've been given a certain measure of faith and you've been given certain gifts. And I want you to extend your faith with your gift as far as possible. I want you to go to the limit. I want you to go as far as you're supposed to. It, it, it's sort of like saying, everybody has a physical body and everybody is different. Every person's physical body is different. I was just at the gym today. Now I go to Planet Fitness because there's no judgment there. <laughs> and that's the gym for the rest of us, right? The people that aren't like screaming or carrying, anyways. So that's my gym. I go there, no judgment, amen. It just, it's like my motto. It's like a Jesus thing, like judge not lest you be judged. And I feel that while I'm working out. But I was at Planet Fitness today and trust me, everybody's not at the same level of working out. You could just tell. Some people were, were, were not, they, I'm glad they're all there. That, amen. Takes a lot to go to the gym. I'm thankful. I, I just walk by people and go, buddy, amen, buddy. All right, you know, so, cause it's a lot, but you all have bodies, exercise them to the fullest extent of your ability. Are you with me? So if I get, on one of the machines and I put it on 10 pounds and I just do this, how many of you think I'm gonna get any results? Maybe if you do a thousand, but if I do 10, I'm gonna be like, man, yeah, that was great. You know I mean? Like nothing's gonna happen. I could do that every day. And for the most part, I'm gonna be looking the exact same. Okay, I'm not gonna get, but if I can put it on a hundred and I can do 10 and I do that three times every day, how many of you think there'd be a different result? In other words, you've been given a certain capacity, spiritually speaking, and use it to the extent of what you are able and increase that, grow in that, walk in that, use what you have. Don't minimize it. Don't do just the bare minimum. Don't do a little. Don't even not go to the gym. You, see, you guys follow my metaphor here? Some of you are like, I need to get a membership at Planet Fitness. That's what you, amen, it's 10 bucks a month. I'm not selling, I'm just. When we step out though, and we have to learn, if we're gonna walk by the Spirit, we have to learn to have a clear focus. We wake up in the morning and we're saying, Holy Spirit, I wanna follow you. I wanna know what you're saying and I wanna do what you want me to do. Okay, so that starts with a focus. But then when you get into your day, it's gonna require courageous faith. There are th then when you, 
you're asking, and he's going to share. He's going to show, and we have to respond. That's what's going to happen. I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit in the morning when you wake up, use me today. Open my heart today. Open my eyes today. Because then he's going to do it, and now you're going to be faced with a decision, and you know you're tied to that prayer that you prayed in the morning. That's why it's easier not to pray the prayer in the morning. Now, I want to tell you something. What I'm talking to you about tonight is not a spirit-read life. I'm talking to you about a spirit-led life. Okay, amen. You with me? Some of us, we wake up in the morning and we do our devotions, and that's awesome. I want you to start there. But if you leave it in this, if you close the book, and, by so, and in so doing, you close your spiritual life, that's not healthy. If when we close the Bible, we also close our Christianity for the day. I did what I was supposed to do. Hallelujah. Bless God. Praise the Lord. Amen. God loves me. That's not the point. The book goes with you. It's a living word. You were supposed to get it in you so you could take it with you and you didn't have to have it in your hand when you were living throughout the day because it was in your heart. The psalmist said that. He said, I pray that I would hide your word in my heart that I might not what? That's right. But I'll tell you, there's another part of this that the psalmist didn't say, but Paul's saying, I hide your word in my heart that I would minister from you, not just sin against you, but minister with you. This is what he's talking about. Exercise what God has given you. So the question is, what do you have and are you using it? Don't you like that? It's not a spirit red life. It's a spirit led life. I'm going to use that tomorrow. I'm going to say that to my children. All right. There's a couple of things I want to share with you. We're going to come down the hill rather quickly, so follow me if, if, uh, if you can. But I'm, I'm just going to hit these things pretty quickly. Number one, we need to have the right mindset if we're going to have a spirit-led life. We need to have the right mindset. There's, there's a couple principles that, that are really helpful for this. And this is just for you if you're sort of struggling with this. Like, Ben, I want to follow Jesus. I, I, I do. I love him. I'm not questioning that. But I want to follow him in a daily way. I want to follow him with an active, spirit-filled life. This is what I want to do. There's a couple things that help me, and I, and I hope it helps you. Number one, he trusts us. C- can I tell you that this is, this is profound to me? He trusts you. He trusts me. I'm not even saying he should. I'm just saying he does. When you look at what Jesus did in releasing his ministry to the disciples, the question that you've got to ask is, were they really ready I mean, were any of them really ready? It's like when I officiate a wedding. Like, are they really ready for this? Sometimes people will ask me like, hey, do you think they're ready for marriage? I'm like, is anybody ready for marriage, you know? Like, is that a real question? I mean, you can definitely not be ready, but the rest of us weren't for sure. And Ezra says, amen, all right. But we've got to understand that God is entrusting his power in himself to fallible, flawed people that are in an imperfect state, growing and desiring to be more like him. And so that's every person in this room, which means we've got no excuses. We've got no excuses because the person on your right and your left is flawed and fallible too. And so there's no perfect people. He looked, he couldn't find one. Jesus was the only one. So God can't find any perfect people. He's gonna have to settle for us, which means he's entrusting his power and his principles to us. Now, what are we gonna do with it? Look what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure. He's speaking of the work, the person of the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure and the gospel in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. 
We have this treasure. What God has put inside of us, he actually is putting on display that whenever we do something in the name of Jesus that brings God glory, it shows that it's from God because it's not going to bring glory to man. We're gonna do things that you and I can't do. That's what Paul's saying. We have this treasure in earth and vessels to show that it's God and not from us, which means there are things that God wants us to do that we simply can't do. And so that when we do them, you can't help yourself but just say glory to God because there's no way I could have done this without him. The second part is that we must trust him. And I've talked to you about courageous faith. We can't lean on our gifts and our talents and our intellect and just have some type of confidence in the flesh. Paul said this, and Paul is a man who could probably say, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff in my resume. But Paul was a man who said, I don't boast in the flesh. He was trying to lead people to get out of themselves and put themselves fully in Christ. It is who I have and not what I have. And when your confidence is in him, then all of a sudden the door of being used by God is more available. You, you see it, you walk through it, it's powerful. So we trust that God knows exactly what he's doing in putting his spirit in us and calling us to go, giving us his power and gifts. And the third part is our mission is clear. Oh, you're, you're gonna love this. But our, the outcome is uncertain. Yeah, I'm gonna say it again. The mission is clear, but the outcome is uncertain. We know what we're supposed to do. We're called to share the gospel of Jesus, whether we're planting seeds or watering or sharing or whatever we're doing, whatever part of that we play. We're called to make disciples of Jesus, teach his principles, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, intercede for people to get saved, right? We give, we share, we go, we pray, all of those things. We're part of something that's bigger than ourselves. So our mission is extremely clear, no matter what part we play in that. But Jesus told his disciples when he first sent them out, which we studied like a few weeks back, he told them something very serious. And I love this part of it because it really, it really emphasizes the point that I'm giving you, which is that the outcome is uncertain. He said to them in Luke 9, 1, and he called the 12 together, gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. So they've got all the goods, they can do it all. You've got power and his big brother authority. You can cast out demons. You can heal the sick. You can preach the kingdom. I've given you this. But then he says, as he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, to perform healing, he said, don't take anything for your journey, neither a staff, nor a bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not have two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And as for those, look at this, as for those who do not receive you, as you go out from the city, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. He told them in advance, it's not always gonna work out. In other words, here's what you're supposed to do, but don't think because you know what to do that it's always going to go the way you want it to. I just want you to share, I'll save. I just want you to pray and I'll do the miracle. I'm not asking you to do the whole thing. I just want you to do your part. If you do your part, then I'll do the secondary part. God is the one that brings about by his power, the mighty, the mighty deeds that we glorify him for. The outcome is uncertain. We may minister many, many, many times to people and nothing happens. We may pray for someone and see nothing happen. We may prophesy over someone and it doesn't come to pass. Have you ever felt like when you try to grow in the Lord, it feels like one step forward, two steps back? When you try to exercise spiritual gifts, when you try to move forward and it's like, what in the world is going on? Well, here's the reality is that our job is to take the risks. Our job is to take 
a step. Well, what is the process for a spirit-led life? What, is it, what does it look like in terms of our growth and development? I, I wanna share what sort of that looks like. When you and I are first growing in, in the Lord and wanting to walk by the spirit, we're introduced to this kind of life. And I'm not just talking about like reading the Bible. Like we need to start with reading the Bible. We need to start by knowing what God's word says. That's, that's great. That's, that's where we start. But if we're gonna walk in the spirit, we're introduced to the power and the gifts of God initially. That could be tonight. I mean, some of you, maybe you've never thought about, talked about, heard about, other than reading a few things in the Bible, you've never seen it on display. You never heard anybody share those testimonies. Some of us come from religious backgrounds where that's not normal. There's a sense of liturgy to our religious affiliation, but we've never really been a part of, of, of anything that sort of seems like the pages are, are, lifted, uh, are lifted off of, off of, off of the, or the, the text is lifted off the page and it's in our life. Maybe that's not normal to us, but we're introduced somehow. That, that's the first start. The second is information. As we're introduced, we learn, we grow in a hunger, we read the Bible, we go to a class, we go to a gathering, we listen to a podcast. Some friend of ours is like, you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had a friend that was like, you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was nagging me like all the time for a couple months. He's not my friend anymore. This is a bad joke. <laughs> it's really bad. But we we move that way. You know, it's like we're, we're, we get the information that we need. We're not just introduced. The third is demonstration. Maybe we're in a class or maybe we're around people that prophesy, pray in tongues, believe God for miracles, um, ask God to heal, you know, unashamedly, right? So maybe that's uncomfortable. Some of you have been around it a long time. Others, not so much. I've met hundreds, if not many more than that, of people. And honestly, I was one of the first pastors to introduce them to this dimension of what the Bible teaches quite clearly, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that you have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. It doesn't mean you're a walking miracle worker per se, but that we pray to a God who does today what he's always done. And it's sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. Why isn't every church like that? I, I can't answer that tonight. I, I'm only saying that you see it demonstrated. You see a people believing, pressing in, joy-filled, praying for it, not just religious, but man, they're man, these people really believe this. Yeah, they do. And so it's, it's quite compelling. The fourth part of, of, of learning about a spirit-led life is the application is that, you know what? We start trying to, to move in the spirit. Like Ben, Pastor Ben said, pray for people for healing. And wow, some, somebody's headache went away. We start there. Or we start ministering um, to a person that we love and maybe we didn't think that they would come to Christ if we just invited them uh, to pray a prayer and they do, or we invite them to church. I had a couple people this week say, I invited somebody to church randomly and I didn't think they would come and they came. You understand what I'm saying? Like they just, they just came and all it took was an invite, but I never thought that would happen. And it did because we took a risk. We took a risk and it starts small, but it grows and part of it is we have to apply our faith and our learning. And can I tell you, there's a point at which you and I cannot grow unless we begin to do what we know to do. There's a point where you can keep reading and you can keep going to a class and you can get the better podcast and you can find a lot better preacher than me and you can find a lot better teachings out there. But I wanna tell you something, you can't grow 
beyond that realm of putting into practice that which you're learning. You just simply can't. You'll get stuck. And that's why integration is so important. That's the fifth part of this. We have to integrate what we're learning about the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in and through our lives. We have to integrate that into our way of life, not just church, not just church life, but everyday life. Not every moment of the day, but everyday life. In other words, I don't just pray here. Amen. I don't just pray here for healing. Like, oh, we better pray here. And it's all environmental. That, that's part of what religion does. Religion, and, and I, I say there is a, James talks about a good religion, which is to take care of widows and orphans. So when I use the word, I'm talking about sort of this institutionalized, sort of crystallized version of, of in a formula way, following God, that's not really life-giving or alive. But what it will do is it will settle on us to sort of have appease something in ourselves to feel like we're doing right, but we're not doing what's real. And there's a longing inside of us to grow in the Lord and to do more, but it requires a humility. It requires a humility. The kind of humility that does not, is not attached to the religious mindset. See, the religious mindset says, I'm doing all these things, so I'm good. That's the religious mindset. It lacks humility. But the relational mindset, the person that is in relationship with God and they see him, you see him. And then the more you see him, the, the lower you go. You know, the more you're like, I'm not like him at all. You know, like I'm not really living even 20% even of what's available to me. The more you see Jesus, the more you read about him, there's this insatiable appetite that comes over us and we want more. We wanna follow him more. We wanna hear him more. We want this to come alive more. We wanna pray more. We wanna share more. And the world and the enemy try to steal that from us and substitute it with a formula of religion that will appease or satisfy this outer man but it won't do anything to what's going on in the inside of us, what the Bible speaks about, ever growing in Christ, taking the faith that we have, the gifts that we have, and putting those things into practice. Isn't it incredible when you and I do something that's like really hard in the beginning, but it's so life-giving at the end? It's like remodeling a home. Oh my gosh. It's like painting a room or, or doing something that's intricate. And uh, that's why most people don't finish their remodels. Do you know why? Because we're not finishers. We do 90% and the last 10% we leave there. Now, no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. <laughs> but a lot of you got projects right now you're thinking about, you know. But we're not finishers, you know. So the reality is, but isn't it cool that when you do something, and it takes a lot of work up front. It's like when I go to the gym, I, I hate walking in, but I love walking out. See, I just, put, I just put what I have into use. I took what I had and I gave it all I got. I, I, I love that. And that's really what it's like. The spiritual life is similar. It's not the same, but it's similar in that when we share, we walk away from that experience and we go, dang, that wasn't that hard. But it was a really hard walking in, wasn't it? And we've got every excuse to not go there. A church on fire is simply this, a church that takes whatever they have and they put it into use. You don't have to have a lot. You just give them all you got. You see that? Come on. Jared said, all right, I hear you. So look what Paul had to say to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor of one of the largest churches in his day. And Paul, his father in the faith, wrote to him 
and said this to a pastor, all right, a man of God. He said, do not neglect your gift. <laughs> it's like, I'm a pastor. Do not neglect your gift, what was given to you through prophecy when people laid their hands on you. Hey, hey, Tim, remember when we laid our hands on you and you received something from God? Don't neglect your gift. Don't sideline it. Don't act like it's a minimal thing. Don't act like it's nothing. Don't excuse it. Put it into practice. And then he says this to him in his next letter, his second letter. He had to say it again. Oh my gosh. 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, for this reason, Timothy, he just got to think of Timothy as this young pastor. He's like, here we go again. I remind you to kindle afresh or fan into flame the gift of God, which was given to you through the laying on of hands a second time in the second letter. I mean, I don't know how he received that, but but Paul said the same thing. Timothy, remember when I told you not to neglect what God gave you? I'm going to tell you one more time. Fan this thing into flame, buddy. Use it. He had to tell a pastor to do that because all of us go through the same thing. We can have a passivity. We can have an apathy. We can have a lethargy. We can have a reluctance, a hesitancy. All of us experience this. And that's part of why, I mean, we say, well, that person has no problem with it. Everybody has a problem with putting into practice what God's given them sharing and loving and ministering because it requires faith. It requires risk. It requires courage. You know what? We've got to grow in the power and the gifts of the spirit, not criticism and judgment. Why do we grow in that? (laughs) We get really good at that. We've got to get really good at this. And it levels the playing field. All of us are in the same game on the same mission to glorify the same God. And everybody's been given something right? I'm not even trying to inspire you. I'm just saying it's awesome. It really is. But there are some practices that will help you. And I have a little bit of time. Jared, just give me, give me a minute, Jared. Just wait right there because you start playing behind me and I start getting all spiritual. You know, I start feeling a certain kind of way. What are the practices? I, I want to help you. Listen to these. Number one, these are practices of a spirit-led life. Number one, exercise the faith that you have. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples in response, they were talking about forgiveness. Now I'm using the principle for something different. They were talking about forgiveness. And in response to what Jesus said to them about forgiveness, the apostles said to the Lord, look, they said, we'll increase our faith. In other words, we're not able to do what you just said unless you give us more of what we need. And look what Jesus says to them in response. The Lord said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. You would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Okay, nobody can speak to a tree and say, get up out the ground and go get planted over at somebody else's house. It's not possible, all right? Does anybody actually think it is possible? It's not. He meant it to mean that. If you had a little bit of faith, you don't need more. You just need to take what you've got and do something with it. That's what they wanted. They said, Lord, you just told us to do something. And for us to be able to do it, increase our faith. Give us more faith, Lord, because right now I don't think I can do that. And Jesus said, no, no, no. All you need is a little bit. And if you take the little bit, and I think he used the seed for a reason. If you take a little bit and you plant it, I think the seed was for a reason. If you plant that, what happens to the seed? It grows and it becomes something great. If you take what you have 
and you plant it, you do something with it. Watch what God will do. But what we do is we say, increase our faith. Lord, you know I can't do that, so I need you to give me more faith. You know me, you know what I'm like, you know how I am. And he's like, I know you, I know what you're like, I know how you are, but I know what I gave you. I know that what I gave you is bigger than you. And you need to know that. Remember the principles that I shared with you already? God trusts you, we need to trust him. The mission is clear, the outcome is uncertain. We just gotta give what we have. That's the hardest part. But if you and I can do that, God will move in, in power. And, I, and I've seen this happen many, many, many times. Number two, obey the Holy Spirit right away. Everybody say right away. Yeah, that doesn't mean later, right? That doesn't mean like, I'll get around to it. No, you won't. We, no, I won't. I've missed it many, many times. I'm, I'm just wanting to be honest with you. The Lord has led me to say and do many things and I've blown it and I haven't done what he said. That's called disobedience. And I just want to be clear about that. When you have a leading of the Lord and we don't need to live under the shame of like, oh, I disobeyed God. We come to the Lord and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I think that was an opportunity. I missed that. Lord, give me another one. Help me to not do that again. And he smiles at, he's a good father. He's like, all right, we're in this together. We're, we're doing this together. I want to I wanna help you do this. We're on his team involved in his mission. Instead of fighting, is this the Holy Spirit? Just step out and do it. You know, a lot of us, what we do is we fight the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people ask me the question, they go, how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? I say, most of the time I don't. Is that comforting? I don't even know how that sounds to you. No, seriously, let me ask you a question. Do you always know when the Holy Spirit prompts you every single time? Is there anybody in this room that's gonna claim that? I, I, ple- I hope not. There's a second class for you. There's a, se- there's, this- there's a lot of people that just got in a lot of trouble over the last couple of years, online prophets, because they claim that they- you understand what I'm saying. When I sense, I believe that it's the Holy Spirit leading me to pray for someone, I pray for them. Share with someone, I share with them. I just don't say things that I don't need to say. I don't walk up to people and say, you know, God told me to tell this to you. I just don't say that stuff. I say, hey, what's your name? I start with, you know, human words, normal stuff, naturally supernatural, right? I mean, this is, this is what we need to be about. Obey right away. If you're prompted, do it. If he's touching your heart, go with it. And, and, and I've shared with this with you before. I don't know if you remember this or not, but in John 5, I think it is, Jesus said, I always do what I see the Father doing. When I was more involved in other movements, they used to use that verse and they would always say, Jesus was in like this perpetual vision. He was like, there's a vision. Oh, I'm gonna do that. This is the way they taught it. They said Jesus was always seeing visions or always seeing exactly what the Father was doing. And, and that's the way that they, they, they taught it. And maybe that's true for the Son of God, but that verse isn't necessarily one that we superimpose on our own lives. The way that I understand that verse is, if I could see Jesus doing it, like, like not just in a vision, but I think Jesus would walk up to that person and, and say that. I think Jesus would pay for that person's groceries. I think Jesus would serve that person. If I could see him doing it, then I do it. I always do what I see the Father doing. When I stepped out of those movements, I realized it was about having the mind of Christ. It was about having the heart of compassion like Christ. It was about having the spirit of Christ and letting that spirit motivate and compel me into a life 
that looks nothing like the flesh. Walk by the spirit and you will not walk by the flesh. You see that? If you're focused, if you're consumed, if you wake up in the morning and this is what you want, that's the life that you'll have. That's what we're talking about. Obey right away and do that. And sometimes you make mistakes and you're like, oh, I guess that wasn't the Lord leading me, but you can do it with minimal damage. So we, I've, I, in 23 years of following Jesus, I have very few stories of where I've like hurt anybody. There are people out there in churches and movements that do that, right? They're not our Bible and they're not Jesus. So Lord, help them. But like, that's not us. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to follow the Lord. And number three, and finally, this is so important, fast and pray consistently. I, I, Leonard Ravenhill used to say this. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with him, old revivalist. I don't always agree with everything he said. I read a bunch of his books. I listened to some of his sermons. He's hard to listen to, but um, maybe I am. I, I don't know. But he would say, I don't know anything about airplanes or jets, but I know this, they don't run on lawnmower engines. And what he meant was, you cannot, you cannot have a spiritual life and run on very little prayer. You can't have this big thing that God wants to do function by something like occasionally pray when I get in a jam. When I get in a jam, I call on the lamb. That's not the prayer life for you, friend. That's not the prayer life for you. That's maybe where you're at, but it's not where he wants you to be. Amen. God wants to use your life. He wants to use my life. I'm not just the recipient of his grace. I'm a distributor of it. That's the transition. That's where Christianity takes off. That's where things get exciting. And so we've got to get into that. Go, man, I want to be used by God more. And sometimes we feel too guilty about what we're not doing or what we think we're not or what we're not able to do. We just pray in and we press in to what God wants to do. Praying and fasting. When you fast, you long for more of God and what he does. When you pray, when you press in, you see more of what God wants to do. It opens our eyes. It shows us what the Father is doing and what Jesus is after. But I don't think you can get there without increasing your prayer life. I just don't think it's possible. Speaking from experience, for me, in my increase of prayer life, the more that I'm increasing in my life of prayer with God, that's corporately and personally, the more I'm focused on what Jesus is doing. I walk by the Spirit and I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So for me, some of the practical things that I do as I'm closing here is I pray before I come to service and I pray during worship. Have any of you seen me do this? I'm just gonna explain what I do. I have adopted a practice that I've been doing for several years of my life. I've been doing it for a long time. And I just believe this. I have an underlying principle that if I ask, God will give. So when I'm worshiping, I open my heart to the Lord and I say, God, I'm here for you. It's like going to the gym. I don't go there to walk around in the gym and I don't go into a worship service to not worship. I come in and I lift my hands and I praise you and I open my heart to God and I say, if you wanna speak, I wanna hear. And so I take, I got a little, uh, I got a little journal and I've got tons of them. They're full of words from the Lord. And I look back at all the ones I never shared before. I'm like, wow, God gives. Sometimes I give prophetic words and, and the Lord will just say something to me or he'll put it in my mind like a thought. And, and I don't know that it's the Lord 100%, but I believe it could be. And that's enough. I believe the Lord could be saying this tonight. And I step out on that. 
That's all I have ever done. And, um, and sometimes it's, it's like crazy specific and sometimes it's very general. Sometimes it's like a person has a lower back problem tonight and anybody over 65 is going to want to stand up. That's what my dad would say. <laughs> my dad would say, well, anybody over 60, you know. But he would still stand up. And I, I, love, that, I love that about him. But the point is, is that it can feel general, but maybe a person walked in and they were holding their back when they walked in because it was specific for them. I have learned that what's general to us is specific to someone. And I've crossed even that threshold of worrying or wondering, I don't care. I would rather say it than walk away not knowing if God wanted to do what I wasn't aware of. Do you see what I'm saying? You gotta take a risk. I would rather share something with you. I would rather say it from the stage or, or pray it over someone while I'm with them. I'd rather say it than walk away wondering if that was the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you've gotta to get to a point where you're willing to do something more than walk away with the regret of. And that's where things get really exciting. So I'm, I'm gonna push you unashamedly but I'm not gonna go monitor your life and make sure you're doing it. But I wanna encourage you, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Focus and faith. God will give us both. Isn't that right? Thanks for listening today. Pastor Ben's mission is to equip the church to impact the world. If you wanna get connected, check the show notes and visit bendixon.org. From there, you can learn about Pastor Ben's other podcasts, the books he has written, Ignite Global Ministries, and the online Immersion Discipleship School.